want them to understand the language that is being spoken all around them, you know? And so, and then technology is going to be a piece of that language in some way or another. I mean, this, that same girl probably has within 20 feet of her body, probably has 10 or 15 digital devices. Welcome back, everybody, to another edition of the Start Ed Up podcast, a member of the Education Podcast Network. Today, I'm excited to have on, well, just get it out of the way. He's a friend. He's a great guy. He's a computer science teacher, and he's an author, Doug Bergman. We're going to get into the importance of computer science, and it's not your dad's computer science class anymore. It's gotten more relevance now than ever, and yet he really is trying to lead the charge to get more people to start looking into it. So for these reasons, I know you're going to love it. If you're a parent, take a listen. If you're a teacher, take a listen. If you're a student, you should be nodding your head a lot, this guy. So anyway, uh, this is one that I recommend. I also recommend that you check out his new book. It's on Amazon. Uh, We'll get into that as well. Lastly, we kind of share in the end some some really important people in the computer science scene. And uh, people like Doug and myself have been just really, really, really leaning on this community for a lot of help. And we give credit where credit's due. And for those reasons, it's one of the reasons why I want you to reach out to Doug. He is most helpful and uh, is willing to share a lot of his resources. So dig in, take some notes, and enjoy Doug Bergman. All right, now we're joined Doug Bergman. Doug is the head of computer science department at Porter Gowd Independent School in Charleston. Yes. And Doug and I have known each other for quite some time. You are the new proud author author of Computer Science K-12. And we're going to get into that, but let's get into the like reason why you had to write this book. Yeah. So um, I, th- I think right around the time I think I first met you, like some eight, nine years ago, whatever, um, I started to, to, to get, I guess, to a point in my career where, where I had a little bit of, um, of experience behind me. I started to noticing some things and um, started to kind of want to communicate to a, to a bigger stage. And so I started to, that's when I started blogging and tweeting about that same time. And so I started to sort of record these ideas. And then the last three or four or five years, I, I kept having this book idea and um, that I just felt like this, this wave of computer science was really, really coming fast. And in fact, it was, it was sort of around us and there was still just a lot of misunderstanding about computer science. And um, I thought that maybe there was um, some, 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 some ways we could reconnect students with computer science. It's got a lot of baggage and, and stereotypes that go along with it that aren't necessarily really accurate in today's day and age, but um, I think computer science is very different than it once was. And I, and I saw all this stuff coming together and I saw a lot of states trying to implement standards around it and requiring their, their schools to incorporate it, but no one had any idea how to do it or what it even was. And so I just felt like there was so many questions that people had about computer science and yet people were making decisions uh, about computer science in education, and I just felt there there needed to be something out there to, so at least people could have some resource to maybe help guide them when they start to ask these questions. Yeah, and, and, and quite frankly, one of the reasons why um, I love your class and I like your approach is, is that it's not your dad's computer science curriculum anymore. Right. It, it, things have gotten, one, I, I think that actually, I think that there's even some states that are making a push that you can take coding as a foreign language. Basically, there are there are. When I got my master's degree, um, I was allowed to skip the foreign language requirement by taking a computer science test, and this was like ten years ago. And so there, there there's definitely. I mean, there's 
computer programming, or at least the programming piece of computer science, there is syntax, there is vocabulary, there is order, there is structure. So that makes complete sense in the world. It does. And seeing that so many... Uh... Yeah, there's so many practical applications to it. And, 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 uh, and that's not to say that I don't think there's value in learning a second or third language. I mean, take Espanol, take French, whatever. Yeah. That's cool. But I do appreciate the fact that there's been kind of this like, okay, how, how can we still convince people that this is serious? And, and I, I've heard several people say, you know, you don't necessarily have to want to be a programmer to enjoy and understand this, or at least, you know, and, and actually that's what we want you to weigh in on. Like, Say that there's a, a parent right now and they're listening to this and their daughter is like, I don't know if I want to take this or not. And they, they, they've said, you know, he or she does not want to go into this as a career. But right. give me your sales pitch on why they should take a CS class. Well, I mean, you know, the thing is, is no, no matter what that girl's passions are, whether she wants to be a veterinarian, a lawyer, a business owner, whatever it is, there is technology and probably a great deal of technology that's driving that industry and the tools of that industry. And so when she gets there, when he gets there, um, there's two kinds of people that are there. Those that are in command of that technology and those that are on the sidelines sitting there watching it go by and then occasionally using it a little bit. So um, they're going to need people who understand, A, the content area of her passion. She wants to be a veterinarian. Awesome. Go learn all the skills and, 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 um, and things you need to learn to, to do that world. But have this computer science skill set with you as well so you can be the person who can develop the new tools. Because when you get there, you're going to have at your disposal whatever is available in the market at that time. Okay, So one choice is to just take that and use that and do what you can. Another choice is to be a leader in that world. And that's sort of what I feel like we're creating. We need more creators is to be able to have people who, like that girl, to go into the area, um, figure out what some of the problems are, be able to actually create some ways of addressing those problems herself instead of sitting there waiting for someone else to do it for her. And so, um, and I would say this also, you know, we, we take history and math and science for like 12 solid years but we don't expect our students to become mathematicians or poets or uh, professional translators, but we still feel there's a value in understanding um, at a pretty good level some other disciplines. So I think computer science fits in that exactly. We don't need people to grow up to be computer professional yes. at Microsoft, but we want them to understand the language that is being spoken all around them, you know, and so, and then technology is going to be a piece of that language in some way or another. I mean, this, that same girl probably has within 20 feet of her body probably has 10 or 15 digital devices that have to be programmed, reprogrammed, used, fixed, updated, upgraded, you, you know, and so someone's got to be able to do that. And so I want to give the students of today the power and the confidence and, and the, the ability to look at those devices, um, maybe look at them differently even, and say, okay, that's something I can work with. I'm not necessarily intimidated by this. And so that's why I think that girl needs to go into computer science or at least investigate it. Yeah, I can't say I agree with you enough. I, matter of fact, I, I like just some of the logic behind it and, and just like the problem solving that you, you give in your class. But like you were saying before, like just picking up on the language and understanding, you know, because like, I, you know me, Doug, I'm a big fan of financial literacy. Yeah. And, you know, I, just because um, my daughters know what a put and a hold and short sale is, I don't expect for them to be financial planners. Right. But, but I like for them to have a pretty good understanding that, you know, money's going to be a part of their everyday life. And you make the same case, like digital world is a part of your life. 
period. Like I, I don't know of many people that unless they decided to, to move to a really, really, really remote place, the digital is a part of their life. Sure it will. Sure it is. Um, and the reason, of course, why, I, and, and I'm not trying to um, offend, but the reason why I started off with, you know, the, 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 the case study of a girl is because, you know, I've, I've been um, kind of gently nudging that there's this stigma that's not, that shouldn't have to be there anymore. Like, oh, I'm not, I'm not techie. You know, because when, when I had my, you know, the, when the innovation class first got started, um, a couple of things that came out of that class was some wins and some successes in like app builds and stuff. And so I, I was, you know, trying to recruit girls to my class and, and you can wait on this and getting girls to your class. But you're like, I'm like, it's not a tech class. And then, of course, you know, it's kind of like a Seinfeld. I'm like, not that there's anything wrong with that. Like, it's, <laughs> right, right. even if it is a tech, you know, there's nothing wrong. Well, I'm not techie. I'm not techie. I'm like, oh, you are. You just haven't given it a chance. So, Doug, why the social stigma yeah. in some case? And again, for the record, not all girls, you know, have this fear sure. or say, oh, not to get it. But, you know, have you seen that? Have you seen kind of a, a like, I don't know if this is for me because I'm a girl stance? Well, and, and believe it or not, we're out there. I did not feed Don that question. So this, you just hit upon one of the things um, that, that I believe in strongly. There's a whole section in the book about it, but it's just something that I have believed since the get-go um, is that, there aren't enough girls in technology, not necessarily as computer scientists, but just that speak the language of technology. It's, it's been driven by one type of person, and that has been that way for like 30 years or 40 years. And there have certainly been people of diversity or, or females involved in, in that world, but they're not getting any credit for it. But um, for whatever reason, right in the eighth grade, when girls, for some reason, um, stop being interested in the math and the sciences, at least as much as the boys are, um, I don't know what, if that's a cultural thing or if that's a genetic thing. I don't know what that, what, what that cause is, but it has been something that we believe in wholeheartedly. And um, I think one of the things you said that this isn't a tech class, you know, and so I think our computer science program, one of the reasons why it's been attractive to people was when we first started out, we went for the hardcore student, not necessarily the hardcore techie, but the hardcore students. Um, and I got that and we got those kids, but um, they were there uh, for all the wrong reasons. Uh, they were there because it makes them look better on a college application or because it makes them um, be able to do something that someone else can't do. And while, yes, that is true, um, I was missing most of the people in, the wor- in, in our school um, who were just the regular good, solid kids who is the majority of the planet, right? And I was missing them. And so um, when we started to make our, our, our program, we started to notice that, gosh, kids want to kids wanna do the things that are important to them. Right. And so uh, what's important to a girl is very different than what's important to a boy, which is very different than what's important to me. So early on, as opposed to me giving um, when I started out, I would say, "Okay, we are going to do this project. And then within 10 minutes, the kids would have like five better ideas than I just had right there. So then I would I learned very quickly. Gosh, um, the kids have ideas about this stuff. And once they understand a little bit about the technology they're working with and maybe a little bit about the language they're working with, um, you can give them the umbrella under which to create some, you know, some project proposals um, and then just let them go. And so what we were finding, if I did that, um, it, it became less of a tech class and more of a solving problem class. Hey, so we're going to, like one of the projects we do is um, we, in my ninth grade class, which is a recruitment class, I say, guys, we're going to learn how to develop apps. Okay, so we spent a few days just kind of learning the basic tools. And then I say, okay, um, how many of you guys have a grandmother who might have dementia or Alzheimer's? You know, and then a third of the class raises their hand. How many of you have a physical, emotional, mental, psychological, emotional learning, some kind of disability, right? And then every other kid raised their hand and said, okay, 
we're going to make an app that addresses the people who, who need, who have those um, issues to deal with. You know, what is something you could do to help that person? Maybe that person's you. Maybe it's your brother, your sister, your mother, your friend, or maybe it's just someone who, for someone who, who, who has, who's legally blind. Is there something you could do on an app to help that person? So I thought what we started to, so, so I think when we started to see the diversity get better in our department with girls was when we started to approach it like that. Okay. We, we said, Hey, let's, let, let's, let's solve some problems and do some things that can maybe help some people. And then, yeah, there's some technologies can help us do that one. And yeah, we're going to dive pretty deep in that technology and do some pretty cool stuff with that one. But I think that maybe is one of the approaches that can help. Yeah. It's a different kind of person. Yeah. So like w- when was that Roger Bannister effect for you and, and the you recruiting girls, your class? Uh, is it like we, we had that same, you know, we had a couple like once we start getting some wins, yeah. some of the girls were like, okay, come on in. The water's fine. Well, when so when was us, that? Well, my first year at, at my school, Porter Gale, I walked in and I had seven boys. Right. And, um, and, it, and they were all awesome kids. Right. And they all got like fours and fives on the AP test. And I, and I, and I kind of said, well, that wasn't real hard. You know, a bunch of superstars walk in, uh, not very much diversity and they all did really great in the AP exam. That's not very challenging for me. And so I was like, why aren't there any girls in here? You know, why, you know, what about the, the kids who aren't hardcore techie kids? Where are they? And so that was literally my first year at Porter, which was probably in 2001, 2002. And I just noticed it, you know, I just like, well, what, what, I don't, I don't want this class. I don't want a class that's all hardcore um, techies, whether it's a boy or a girl, but I don't just want hardcore techies. Um, and um, I don't want just one type of person. I want musicians and artists and poets and people who like to go bowling and people who like to play soccer. I want every kid because they all bring different perspectives. I mean, when I get a kid who is a little bit uh, techie, a little bit, uh, um, loves the stage and performance and loves the art classes. You give me that kid. Oh man. I love the project that that kid comes up with because they ask a complete different style of question. They approach problems completely different. They break down problems completely different. Other kids see how they're doing kind of things. And it really expands the horizons of the class and those people dealing with them. So I love when I get that kind of a kid. Um, and so, and that's not a typical kid that's a tech that's attracted to the computer sciences. And so I think you've got to have a class which is attractive to that. And so one of our best kids, I just got an email a few days ago from one of our kids up at Harvard, who was that kid. I mean, he was a music a performer kid. And I recruited him hard in the freshman year. He stayed with me for the four years. He's up at Harvard right now. And he is actually um, just got a, 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 an email. He's working with one of the emergency 911 systems, um, working with database SQL code to help them uh, manage that system better. That kid would have never been in that world had he not had a chance to explore computer science. It's yeah. Awesome, you know? No, I love that. Just, in some cases, I mean, just to get it, just to cross it off their list. You know, I, I, I've, I, <laughs> I, I say this story sometimes and then some computer science people like roll their eyes and like, stop it. But I mean, I've had some kids in the innovation class are like, hey, my dad said that there's good jobs in coding. I'm going right, to learn how to be a coder. And then yeah. they do it for two weeks and they're like, oh, I mean, it's not for everybody. It's not for everyone. But, but, but dear God, you should like <laughs> my, my poor son, Grant. Um. I'm glad he signed up for flag football once. 
<laughs> once. <laughs> you know, it, we, we crossed yeah. it off our list. Uh, yeah. no, go, so golf so and soccer it is. I mean, and, and, but, it, it's, but at least to get them that taste sure. to, to, uh, to try it, I, I'm a big fan of. But, um, but yeah, I, I just like, though, that you're, you're trying to um, – and, and we're going to get into a little bit more of your book and your class. Yeah. But you also kind of try to make it relevant. You, you kind of pursue cool projects and not just – programming for the sake of programming yeah, I, I don't just come up with projects on my own like for example in the when, when, when the kids come into my class in the freshman year i don't necessarily know their background i mean if they've been at my school in the middle school i do know their background but we get 30 or 40 percent new kids right so i have to assume that you know typing class or whatever may have been the only thing they've got experience with so you know i assume hey i've got one shot with this group of kids in front of me right now this may be their first computer science class ever so no matter if they take me and then never take me again, or whether they take me and stay with me for four years, either way, I want that experience with computer science to be a real one. So they understand what computer science is, which amazingly people don't really know what it is, or at least some people don't. And I want it to be a good experience. And so what I do, and I have the class set up so that if you are not a hardcore techie kid, you can succeed tremendously in my class. And if you are that kid, awesome. We're going to do some crazy stuff in there. So we actually do uh, like a game design with kids that learn a program in a language called Python, which is a very common language nowadays. Um, and I say, we're going to make a game. Who doesn't like to make games? And I'm like, but we're not going to make like Pac-Man or, or, you know, or, or space invaders. I don't, I don't want to do that. Just mindless game. I want you to pick a topic, um, you know, uh, disease, healthcare, um, some of my most powerful topics are the serious ones. We had a game about suicide, depression, LGBT community. Um, we have some pretty serious topics that kids really feel passionate about. We spent a couple of days researching those topics. And then I say, okay, now we're going to make a game about it. Now, this game is not going to be like a typical game where you collect a bunch of gold nuggets and get points and go to level three, right? Every obstacle, every challenge, every sound effect, every background screen, all the storylines are all related to that topic. Okay, so they've got to understand that topic. And then what happens is that they choose, and I challenge them on their choice of the topic because that's the most important thing. I don't have to worry about the computer science part because if they choose a good topic, I can help them come up with a good idea for an interactive game-like idea around that topic. And once they buy into it and they believe this is something really, really cool, at that point, that's when I have just learned to get out of the way. Right, because they're going to do some great things, and they're going to come to me and say, "Mr. Bergman, I really want to have this and this and this and this and this." I'm like, "Wow, that's awesome! That's going to take us a couple of weeks to get there, but we can so do that." You know, here's the computer science that's going to help us do that. And at that point, the kid isn't intimidated by it. The kid's actually eager to do it. They might even stay after class. Can I just get started on the stuff you talked about? Well, listen, it's going to be pretty hard. That's cool. I don't mind. That's cool. Right. And that's the style that we do. I think that style of of introduction is so important. Like for you, you said Grant, you know, did the check off for the basketball or whatever class he took. And I think it's important that everyone have at least some computer science in there as a required course, maybe. But I think it's important what that class looks like. Make sure it's real computer science and make sure it's designed so that that kid has a chance to have a good experience with it. Like I said, it may be that that kid does it and does understand what it yeah, is. Yeah, let me let me pause you. Let me pause you. You yeah. said make sure it's a real computer science class. Yeah. What it what, and I know you're not going to take shots at anybody. You're way too respectful for that. But yeah, describe to me a faux computer science class. So, um, so unfortunately, the the, the term computer science has 
a lot of people either are misinformed or uninformed about what it is. I'll have someone come to me and say something like, hey, listen, I've got this huge, you know, basically a big PowerPoint project. You think your kids would want to accept this for one of their projects? I'm like, well, we don't, we don't really do PowerPoint in my class, right? Those are, those are great tools in the history class or the English class or the foreign language class, but not for us. And so other teachers, other parents, um, and, and even the students themselves think that just because it is, involves technology, that is computer science. And it's not. So if you have a class out there that's teaching the kids how to use Microsoft Office, that's an awesome class and a cool set of skills, but it's not computer science, right? That should be happening like in third grade um, or maybe alongside some other projects in one of the other disciplines. But if that's the kind of class, you know, in movie editing, photo editing, and sound editing, awesome skills that might support the computer science class, but those are not computer science skills. Those are just skills of the, you know, 2018. So any kind of, um, you know, so the way I define computer science, and to me, this is what has to be in that class, uh, some kind of hardware, some kind of software, some kind of problem that they're solving. And when all that comes together and all three are part of, of A, addressing a problem and then uh, A, identifying the problem and seeing the problem, but then addressing that problem and perhaps solving that problem, that's computer science. I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, because I mean, yeah, there's been some watered down things, and and um, and that, and 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 I think we we live in that same world too. When when I'll, and I, and I don't want it to be mean, but you know, I'll get some schools saying we're doing such innovative things, and I'm like, oh, please tell me. And they're like, yeah. we well, we bought a 3D printer, and I'm like, okay, what are you doing right. with it? Oh, the kids aren't allowed to touch it yet, but you know, <laughs> right. but the teacher has printed off some Yoda heads, and right. I just like it makes me cringe because, um. You're right. I mean, the, the, just just because something, and and this is by no means is this Doug speaking, and and don't read hopefully too much of this, but you know, just because you do PowerPoint does not mean it's computer science. I love that. It's I not, love that it's example. Not, it's not. It's like I said. It's a great tool, and I might use that. I might have my kids do a PowerPoint about their computer science project. So it's just not computer science. But it's interesting, you know, like. The, the, the thing you just said about they have the 3D printer that no one touches it. We bought a, we, we got a grant several years ago and we bought a, uh, there was a $15,000 robot. We bought it for $9,000, right? Uh, dude, within the first hour, uh, I, in fact, I didn't unbox it. My kids unboxed it, right? My, my computer science kids. And within an hour, they were the ones who had it turned on, connected. And by the end of the afternoon, one kid was already programming it. It was a $9,000 robot. There was no way I was going to let that sit in the box or on a shelf and not let kids do it. Now, um, I send it back to get repaired every year. Um, and I'm glad to do that because that means it's being used. We bought a, um, several years ago, I was on one of the first uh, schools to get a HoloLens at our school. And um, I told my boss, listen, you know, I'm, you know my budget, I, I can handle this if I don't buy anything else for the year, but I want my kids to use this thing. So we have that HoloLens out continuously through the year using it because it's such an amazing tool. We even had kids programming it. But, um, you know, if you've got cool technology, which is one of the things you can do to recruit kids, let them touch it, let them experience it. And they love it. Yeah. <laughs> and I've seen that firsthand from your class. And, and yeah. although yeah. let me, let me also go into this though, because right now there's some parents listening to this and, and, and they're like, okay, well at my school, my child isn't offered this course. Right. Give them, I mean, uh, first of all, you know, let me plug your book, computer science K-12, but uh, uh, like other than that, 
they want to start getting their kids feet wet a little bit. What are some of the resources you'd recommend, especially if they don't have a computer science course at their school? Well, well, A, you know, to plug my book, there is a ton of, of resources for that specific person. I've got a ton listed in, in, in the book for that exact person. But here's the good thing is what, what's probably made computer science more accessible is just the fact that the tools to program in it are user-friendly finally. You know, like when I was in college and high school, just learning this stuff, just because I really enjoyed it, it was not user friendly. So right now, there are li- there, there are literally hundreds of websites out there that, hey, want to learn how to program? Here's a 10-step tutorial to make your first app, or to maybe there's a virtual robot you can program on the screen, and you can do this one. I would say one of these things, um, and it seems weird because this really works for any age. One of the best things that's happened to computer science in the last, let's say, 10 years is code.org. And um, the, the reason is, is because they've, they've, they've helped to break down some of the stereotypes and they've just introduced it to people who wouldn't normally necessarily have a chance to, to get involved with it or would be too scared to do it. And so they've made and partnered with it. They themselves have made a few, but they've really partnered with a bunch of other companies, and I mean tons, tens and tens and tens of other companies to create short hour-long tutorials in every possible, every possible type of technology you can imagine so that someone can experience their first hour of code, for example. And while it's kind of cliche, it's also a great stepping stone because they, they're set up for the person who doesn't know how to do it, doesn't necessarily have resources around them, doesn't have someone they can turn to to do something like that. So for the parent out there, especially if you've got a young child, um, what a great place to start. And every year in December, there is actually a week where where the whole world, they get they literally get like millions of kids around the world doing that hour of code, but the hour of code can be used all year long. In fact, our school uses um, uh, in fact, code.org actually has an entire curriculum set up in the elementary, middle, and high schools even um, for doing computer science. And our school uses the lower school uh, management tool for the entire elementary age of kid. And so I would say that's one good place to start. There are so many other, even even the YouTubes of the world. Yeah. Well, by s- side note, weren't you guys yeah. featured in the code.org piece? Yeah, so we so we had one, one of two of our girls were selected as code.org students of the week. That was wow out there. That speaks volumes, Doug. Yeah, so it was really neat, and 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 one of those girls I lost to another school made me so mad. Um, in there, and so uh, yeah, so we've been part of that one. Uh, Microsoft did a big uh, video a couple years back on our program, which went which went big out there, and that was fun as well. And um, I did, I think that. Our school, I think there are some, some schools out there doing some crazy, awesome stuff in computer science. I'm just very vocal about it. I think there's some teachers out there who just do their thing and just do it well. Um, I, I think that's not enough. And for me, just to have a computer science program in place and not be screaming at the top of my lungs to get other people to be doing it. I mean, I've yeah. someone at a conference and I will say, I will give you everything that I have, if you will begin a computer science program at your school, everything I have free of charge, you know, I will give it, you know, all that because it's not mine. It's not my stuff. Right. I'm just like the middleman. Right. And so, um, and so we're like that. So I, I, I think the code.org kinds of organization, that's just one, there are so many out there. There's, um, you know, the code Academy style of things. There's a lot of sites, which, um, 
are are sort of game like in nature, which lets you maybe even program some small games. Um, but in order to to program that game, in order to play that game, you got to actually program some code in order to do that whole thing. And so, um, anyway, that's just a couple of ideas to get started. Yeah, no, that's cool. Well, and yeah. I do. I I like the fact though that you you have been very like take it. You know, I I remember, um, you know, when I first got on Twitter, there was people like Don Goble that was like, here, I've been doing this for 20 years. It's all yours. And I appreciate that. And and um, I think there's been a lot of CS teachers that are, you know, standing on the shoulders of giants. And and I guess I guess I get all, uh, give credit where credit due. We've been talking to Tweedledee, Tweedledum uh, over there in Florida, Lou Zuli. <laughs> Lou, yeah, I mean, I just, I, I love, um, well, first of all, I guess, you know, you shouldn't talk about chum, chummy things of the past because people don't understand that shared experience. But yeah. when I first met you two guys, um, you guys were already at rockstar status and, and doing really cool things at the, you know, Microsoft Innovative Educator um, Forum and things of that nature. But, you know, guys like Lou who have been doing, and, and, you know, for those people that are looking him up right now, and I say, unfortunately, he's having the time of his life, but he's retired. But guys like Lou Zuli, guys like Doug Bergman, guys that have like been doing, and, and you can feel free to drop other names because I'm missing a ton right now off the top of my head, but guys that have been doing it so long and are now willing to say, here it is. It's yeah. all there for you. And, and I, I love that about a lot of the computer science um, networks. The that they're very open source. Yeah. I mean, our, you know, like in the book, I actually, um, I have a couple chapters just set up for a bunch of bloggers and Twitter feeds and discussion boards. And I, and I, I put a warning. I said, listen, be careful with getting involved in this community because it is extremely active. If you post a question or a, or a comment about something like that, you're going to get 10 people who respond within five minutes. So be ready because people are eager, so eager to reach out to people because a lot of people, especially in computer science, um, tend to be siloed, you know, and you'll be like one computer science teacher. And so, um, those people are craving other computers. <laughs> I totally agree. Good, yeah. You're probably like, I finally have a friend that understands me. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. When I go, that's why when I go to these conferences, I meet someone who thinks a little bit out of the box and has a little bit of energy about them and, and, and speaks my language as far as computer science goes. I, I I'm like, you and I need to connect right now. And then you and I will be connected. I, I, the same people I met like, you know, 10 years ago, I talk to probably every week in some way or another. I love them because they're extremely critical about the things I do. They give me some great advice. I can post questions, comments, whatever I like. And that community is so, and whatever medium you like, you're a Facebooker. Awesome. There's a Facebook. I'm a Twitter guy. Do it on Twitter. I just like email. Great. There's an email listserv. There's so many mediums to do it on. And the people are so giving. I mean, I have got so much information, support, help, um, project ideas, assignment ideas, people that said, yeah, I had this project, I spent weeks developing it and here it is. It works great. Be careful of this, that, and the other, you know? And so very much like that. So the teacher looking to go into it need not be scared um, because uh, there is such a virtual support system for that, for that person. Yeah. Care to name and came, care to name drop any other of the old schoolers from uh, the MIE days. So the Melanie's, oh man, there's like, oh, I know, I'm afraid if we start naming five, then yeah. we'll, they'll, we'll get off the air and name the 15. They'll be mad at me and I'll get, I'll get blasted on Facebook tonight. And so, yeah. but there's just a bunch of good people. And um, I think the common thread of that is they're all innovators and they're all technology lovers, maybe not computer science-y, but they have a little bit of CS in them. And so that's always been my connection. Yeah, I've got to give credit to where credit's due. I, I I was part of that Microsoft Innovative Educator, and that's yeah. where I, I met you and Lou. 
And like you just said, I mean, some people were, a lot of people weren't CS teachers, but they all had this passion for innovation and, and, and using technology as a tool, but not the be all end all. And, uh, Correct. yeah, right. such, such good people. I, I tip my hat, um, to that program. So it's a good program for that. And so, and it's really expanded. Microsoft has really, really, um, connected with the computer science, um, community and they're really, really, and, and all the companies, the Apple is really starting to get involved. Microsoft is huge involved, you know, the Google's the world. So all these big companies are realizing we have to, th those people can make an impact by getting involved either financially or just through support and publicity and getting the word out. And they've been so helpful, um, to, so doing that, but interesting, like at our, at our CSTA computer science teachers association conference last year, um, Rolls Royce was one of our big sponsors, right? So I went up to one of the Rolls Royce, uh, vendor, Rolls Royce vendor tables. I said, Hey, cool. Awesome. What kind of car do you guys got? And the guy looked at me like, you know, we haven't made cars in like 15 years. Right. And I was like, Oh, let me get my foot out of my mouth here. And so I was like, why are you here? He's like, we're a technology company. You know, um, so is, you know, so is Walmart, right? So is Nike. We all have huge technology components to our industry. We need computer science people too. I was like, oh, wow. You know, just duh, V8 on my forehead, right? I didn't even think about that. So if you're Nike, right, you're Walmart, you have a huge app division, web design division, all your, your management inventory systems are all computer science, right? All that stuff. So those non-computer science companies, yeah, exact same people that Google is trying to hire. Yeah. And that's why Rolls-Royce was a sponsor of the CSTA conference last year. I said, wow, um, that makes complete sense. You know, it's kind of funny. Gary Vaynerchuk always has this mantra of every company is a media company. And I agree with that. But in a very similar way, every company, darn near every company is a technology company. They really are. They've got to have people there who speak. And, and, and the person there is like, like we started this interview with. Um, they don't need nerds. They don't want someone who can't talk to people who sits in a corner and designs software. See, you're beating me to my last question, dog. But, but that person, there is a place for that person. <laughs> no, let, let, me, let me unpack that. Let me unpack that. So right yeah. now, there's people. So you're right. The, the most sought after people are the people that not only are good programmers, but visionary programmers. They, yeah. can, they can think in innovative new ways. They can pick up patterns. So if you were wanting, if you're like, again, I hate to say, keep saying that you're talking to parents, but if you're talking to a parent right now, yeah. combine two things. How do you, what are two things that you could do with it? Let's just say a seven to 10 year old right now to make them both innovative, but not over the top, to over the love of, you know, being on the computer. Go. Right. So we have, we, 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 we open, for that exact kid, we, 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 we invited about 10 eighth graders to a, to a Friday afternoon, three hour, once a month session. And we bought little electronic kits, right? And one of the projects that was the most beloved project of the whole time was, um, and there, this was a little bit of engineering, it was a little bit of computer science, it was a little bit of, um, you know, physical computing and the real world. And they basically put together a little instrument that could plug into a computer It had some wires and some transistors and some capacitors. And basically, it could detect the temperature around it. Okay. And then we could have it turn maybe a, a, a green light on or a yellow light on or a blue light on, depending on the temperature. Right, so it's a pretty simple thing, but the computer science and engineering needed to do that one. So we did it in you know a couple hours. We helped the kids do that one, and then the girl was um, one of the girls had gotten it, and she was like, "Well, how do I know if it works or not?" I'm like, "Well, you're going to need to 
find a location that has different temperatures. And she said, well, how, what, do, what do you mean? I said, well, what's cold? She said, refrigerator. I said, go put your laptop and that little device in the refrigerator for a couple of minutes. She was like, what? I said, what are you waiting on? Go right now. She ran down there, put it in there. And when that light turned blue, when it reached below a certain temperature, she literally started screaming and jumping up and down. All right. So if I'm the parent um, of doing that, there are tons of these like little electronic kits you can buy, little Arduino or Raspberry Pi kits. They're like $30. They come with everything you need and with instructions on to do that project right there. And I'm telling you right now, boy, girl, small, heck, I was jumping up and down a little bit too, and I'm 51, right? And so it's just a that, that, that ability to, to create something that is so far from what, it, what you would have normally been able to do. And then two hours later or an hour or a half hour or whatever later, have something which interacted with the actual world around it physically and did something exactly as you programmed it to do. I don't care who you are. That's awesome. And when, when, when the computers do things like make a noise or move a picture across the screen or turn a light on or do, or, or if it's a robot, maybe it drives across the floor. There's something about something. Yeah, I did that. Yeah. It's just yeah. mesmerizing. And so that though for us, like robots is the best, you know, without question at Porter Gowd school, robots are it because they, they interact in so many ways and there's something about a kid on the floor with some kind of device that moves around and, and makes noises or colors or whatever they do. It just works. Yeah. 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 Well, Doug Bergman, uh, I, you know, Hey, tell everybody where they can find you. Yeah. So um, I, I'm all over the place. The book itself is called computer science K through 12 little subtitle, imagining the possibilities it's on Amazon twice. It was the number one in its category is kind of cool. Um, but um, it's, it's, it's an easy read. It's, you know, it's maybe 170 pages long. There's three major sections. You wouldn't necessarily need to read it from beginning to end. The first section is kind of just like, Hey, what the heck is computer science and what does it look like in schools for that kind of a person? Maybe you're a, <laughs> an administrator or a, uh, a politician or somebody just wants to understand, okay, what is this stuff, right? Um, and then the, the next part says, okay, I'm beyond that. I get it. I get that we need to do this thing. What, what questions do I need to be asking? And what are some of the, you know, what, what are some things people have done? What are some places I can go? A bunch of the resources we talked about a second ago. Um, and just what, what are some steps I can be thinking about to help me design my computer science program? Do I want to make my own curriculum? Do I want to get something off the shelf? Do I want to do something for third graders or for AP computer science or what do I want to do? And that part's for that one. Um, and, um, and at the end, I, 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 I shift gears and I say, okay, let's take a hard look at what project-based computer science looks like. And this is where, um, this is where we separate the, the boys from the men, the girls from the women, because not everyone's in, agreeer, uh, in agreement about project-based learning. And that's all I've ever done for 20 some odd years. Um, and it works tremendously in computer science um, because computer science is not something that should be uh, led by lecture and textbooks. They, they might be part of a class, but they should not be what leads it. And so the last part of the book is just project-based learning in the computer science classroom. What does it look like? How do you grade? How, what does homework look like? What does classwork look like? What, is it, what does the flow of ideas look like? Um, how do you design projects that, that fit that? You know, how do you teach computer science? Um, you know, I joke that um, most of the kids are going to pr propose their projects and have no idea how to do that project they just proposed. And that's awesome. 
right? So uh, that's sort of the idea of the book. And it's very, and if so the style of me talking right now, that is exactly the style that you're going to get from the book. Um, and so um, it's written very much from the heart. And, um, but the book's on Amazon. It's, it's available if you have Amazon Prime within two days. Uh, I am on Facebook. I am on Twitter. Um, I am pretty much anywhere out there. I've got a blog, innovativeteacher.org. Um, and any one of those things, you can get a hold of me in one way or another. And as I said before, I am always looking for that teacher who's in my space in some kind of computer science related uh, class, especially at the high school level, but not just the high school level, you know, college, middle, lower, whatever, or just someone who's interested in that world. Um, and so uh, I, I love to meet those people who, who think a little bit out of the box, um, who, who, who like trying things. And if they don't mess up, that's cool. We'll try something else. That spirit behind them. I love to meet that person. That's awesome. All right, Doug. I always, man, uh, your friendship is valued, but I, I love what you're doing. And uh, yeah, guys, hit this guy up. Um, you know, take a look at the book, buy it. Uh, and then, you know, if you're a parent, really take a look. If you're a teacher, man, connect with this guy. He's uh, an invaluable resource. Other it than that, good stuff. Appreciate it, Doug. All right, Thank man. You. No problem. Thanks. <laughs>